0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: This is the first time and you'll see, we have a lot of people here. You'll see. I'll tell you and I'll show you in a minute. But this is the first time that all the tribes are together since Joshua, so Israel is acknowledging David as king without David's efforts, without David's help he's not sweating, he's not working they they said, David, your family, you' bone of our bone David, you're the one that God has called. look at verse two they said, David in the past, when Saul was king, you were the one who led us out and brought us in, and the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel, and be ruler over israel there's saying, David, you were our leader, even while Saul was living. Look at verse 3. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron. And note this, they anointed David king over Israel. Now, you got your pen? Write this down. This is the third anointing of David in Samuel. This is the third anointing. The first anointing is when he was 15, 17 years old. You know your Bibles, don't you, students? When he was 15 or 17 years old, Prophet Sammy comes in and says, you know, uh, where, where, where's, the, where's the next king of Israel? And he's going through Jesse's sons, and, and, and nope, not him, not him, not him. You got anybody else? Oh, we got a little son. He's a little ruddy kid, little redhead, little ruddy kid out there hanging with the sheep. Samuel said, bring him in. And they brought David in, and Samuel poured a bucket of oil over him. Can, can you imagine that? Like you're, you're like just coming in from hanging out with the sheep, and all of a sudden this guy says, you know what? You're the king, and he just pours a bucket. of I mean, see, when we anoint with oil, we take a little dab. Like if you come to me for anointing, I got a little, a little bit of oil right here. Oil, I, had, I had some. I usually keep some oil right here. It's a little thingy. And I anoint you with oil. And it depends on it. If you're really sick, I might take a lot and make put a cross on your forehead. If it's really serious. <laughs> if what it is is really serious, I, I might put a lot. No, just. But in the Bible, when you were anointed, you were soaked. You needed a towel after they anointed you. They poured a bucket of oil over his head. That was his first anointing when he was about 15 or 17 years old. The second anointing is in 2 Samuel chapter 2. All the men of Judah came and anointed him king in Hebron. And now all the nations come and they anoint him king. First Chronicles chapter 12 tells us what happened when they came to anoint David. Listen, I want you to keep your finger here with me. Okay, we're going to make enough time. Look, keep your finger here with me and go with me to First Chronicles. First Chronicles. So you got Second Samuel, right? First Kings, Second Kings, 1 Chronicles, Second Chronicles. If you go to Second Chronicles, you've gone too far. Come back. Go to Second Con- First Chronicles chapter 12. First First Chronicles chapter 12. I want you to see what happened when they anointed David as king. I just enjoy reading this section. I thought, well, you might too. Look at uh, chapter twelve in verse twenty-three. Look what happened. As a matter of fact, some of your margins, uh, your headings might say, "David's army at Hebron." So here, David is standing there, and 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 they're anointing him with oil, and and here is his army. Look at this. Now, these were the numbers. Look at verse 23. You looking at it? Say, I'm looking at it. Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. Of the sons of Judah, bearing a shield and spear, 6,600 armed for war. Of the sons of Simeon, mighty men of valor, fit for war, 7,100. Of the sons of Levi, Levi, 4,600. Jehoiada, the leader of the Aaronites, and with him, 3,700. Zadok, a young man, a valiant warrior, and from his father's house, 22 captains. Of the sons of Benjamin, relatives of Saul, 3,000. Until then, the greatest part of them had remained loyal to the house of Saul. Of the sons of Ephraim. Remember, they've come together now as a nation and as one army because there was civil war. There was division. So now they're coming together as a nation of people. Of the sons of Ephraim. 20,800 mighty men of valor, famous men throughout their father's house. Of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 who were designated by name to come and make David king. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times. Don't you love that? Who had understanding of the times. God, we need understanding of the times who had understanding, understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command of Zebulun. There were 50,000 who went out to battle, expert in war with all weapons of war, stout-hearted men who could keep rank, of Naphtali, 1,000 captains, And with them, 37,000 with shield and spear of the Danites who could keep a battle formation, 28,600 of Asher, those who could go out to war, able to keep battle formation, 40,000 of the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Anasa from the other side of the Jordan. 120,000 armed for battle with every kind of weapon of war, all these men of war who could keep rank came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest of Israel were of one mind to make David king. And they were there with David three days, eating and drinking, for their brethren had prepared for them. Man, that's a lot of people. Who was paying that bill? <laughs> Eating and drinking, for the brothers had prepared for them. Moreover, those who were near to them from as far away as Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali were bringing food on donkeys and camels, on mules and on oxen, provisions of flowers and cakes of figs and cakes of raisins, wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly, for there was joy in Israel, listen. That is a big army. If when you total up that number, it's somewhere around. I, 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 if I did the math right, and I'm not good at math, okay. But if I did the math right, it's probably about three hundred and forty thousand warriors. 340,000 warriors came to Hebron from all over the country to acknowledge David and anoint him as their legitimate king. Go back to 2 Samuel with me and look at verse 4. David, the Bible tells us in verse 4, was, about 30, was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for, for 40 years. So David reigned as king till he was 70 years old. Verse 5, he reigned over Judah in Hebron seven and a half years. He reigned in Jerusalem over Israel and Judah, 33 years. And you know, some people, listen to me, some people are really into uh, numerology and they're into like, you know, um, the number seven represents completeness. Y'all you know people like that. The number seven represents completeness and the number eight represents new beginnings and the number three represents the Trinity and all these things. And, and I'm not so much a numbers guy, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much validity, and I'm, I honestly don't know the history of that, and I certainly do know that I don't really believe it's biblical. I don't see it in the Bible. I'm not a numbers guy. Although, uh, we do see uh, some consistencies, and I'll say it like that, some consistencies in Scripture regarding numbers. For example, 30. Uh, we know from Scripture this number 30 is a significant number because Joseph was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. Um, Jesus was 30 years old when he began his earthly ministry. Um, here in our text, the Bible tells us that David is 30 when he began his ministry. I want you to look at verse six. Let's read on. Look at verse six. Uh, and the king in verse six, you're looking at it. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land who spoke to David saying, you shall not come in here. But the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Underline verse 7, I'll tell you why in a minute. Now David said, said on that day, Whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain, therefore say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold, and he called it the city of David. And David built all around the Milo and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. And then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. And so David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem, after he had come from Hebron. Also more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who are born to him in Jerusalem. And those are the names. Stop right there. And give me. <laughs> I don't feel like that. And give me your attention. Verse 6. Is an awesome statement. Look at it again. The Bible tells us the king and his men went to Jerusalem. Think about it. The king and his 340,000 men went to Jerusalem. Think about that. 300,000 warriors went to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was on the central ridge of the Jerusalem mountains. It was the heart of the land and the most strategic place in the land. You know, whenever I think of uh, Jerusalem, um, having been there many, many times, um, and encourage you to go, it is a beautiful city. Um, It is a beautiful city on a hill. Just like the Bible says. One of my favorite verses is in Psalm 125, and it says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore, the Lord is all around his people. Isn't that true? God is all around us, and when you go to Jerusalem, you see just like the mountains all around Jerusalem. So the Lord is all around his people. So Jerusalem is a very strategic location because you can only approach it from the north. Now let me tell you a few things first. Whenever you talk about Israel, and I've told you this before, whenever you talk about Israel, you always say up. No matter where you are geographically, you could be up. But when you are going to Jerusalem, you refer to Jerusalem as up. From the time God brought the Israelites into the promised land, the city of Jerusalem was always a problem for them to inhabit. Even though since Genesis, the land was given to Israel, they couldn't possess it. Joshua chapter 15 verse 63 tells us, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. Now listen, because Zion or Jerusalem sat on a mountain, it was hard to attack. And the Jebusites thought it was hopeless for Israel. So in our text, did you pick this up? They laughed and they mocked. And they said, the blind and the lame can keep you guys out. And David said, really? Well, that's going to end real fast. Real quick when I'm king. Notice verse 7. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. End of story. Just that fast. He took the stronghold of Zion. Nevertheless, after hundreds of years of occupation, after hundreds of years of not being able to occupy. Okay, this is fascinating. Y'all stay with me, all right? After hundreds of years of, of Israel not being able to occupy Jerusalem, David comes along and the Bible tells us simply verse seven point blank period. David took the stronghold of Zion, the city of David. Again, up till now, Israel never occupied the city of David or the city of Jerusalem. But one verse just like that, David took the city, which tells us, listen, the problem wasn't the battle. It was finding the right king. The problem wasn't the battle. It was finding the right king. The problem is never the battle. It's finding the right king. Listen, husbands, wives, the problem is not your spouse. It's finding the right king. You know, I talk to couples all the time with problems and issues and situations, and they find themselves regularly engaged in loud fellowship. Loud fellowship is arguing, y'all. They find themselves engaged in loud fellowship and they're arguing. Listen, the problem isn't your spouse. It's finding the right king. It's a lordship problem. Your husband, wives, is not your king. Jesus is your king. I know in our culture we talk about my queen. My queen. It's my king. It's my queen. I got you. I hear you. But let's keep it 100. You have one king. He is the king of kings and the. That's right. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And once, listen, wives, once you establish the right king, the heart of the matter will be dealt with. Even in the middle of loud fellowship, some, somebody has to say, Let's go to the king. Say amen, couples. Amen. Somebody's got to say, Let's go to the king or, or let's pray. I'll tell you, and you know, of usually it's her. She's a whole lot better at it than I am. She is so much better at it than I am. Actually, actually when we're having loud fellowship, and that's exactly what I'm going to call it. When we're having loud fellowship and, I, I, and I'm, I'm just going in and she going in, you know, we don't ever go below. Let me help you. Don't go there. Okay. And every couple knows where there is. Well, y'all act like you got all quiet right now, didn't you? All right. Some of you already been there. That's what happened. I know what happened. That's what it is. Thank you, Lord. He's revealed it. I got a word of knowledge. <laughs> it's already happened. Don't go there. Don't go there. You, you, everybody knows what there is. But, 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 but we have a loud fellowship. A lot of times, Mr. O'Var will say, you know what? She's so good at it. She makes me so mad because sometimes I, it's like, you know what, I want to argue about this thing. I want to get this thing out. We got to get this thing out. She goes, you know what, Rodney, I am not going to argue with you. -uh. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. This is the devil. This ain't nobody but the devil. Let's pray. Let's pray. (laughs) Like, no. No, let's talk about it. Then we can pray. Let's carry on with the fellowship and then we can pray. She's like, nope, 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 because this ain't nobody but the enemy trying to tear down what God is doing. We're going to pray right now. No, I'm not going to say another word. Let's pray. And she just looks like. Oh. And then I got to pray and I go, oh, yeah. And she's like, Lord, you know, and I'm like, oh, then it's my turn to pray, Lord, forgive her <laughs> for she knows not what she does. <laughs> and see, it's all about the king. It's all, and somebody say amen. It's all about the right king. It's all about the right king. Go to Jerusalem, it's about the right king. Even in your own life, think about it like this. You know, oftentimes people say, you know, man, I need to get it together. I need to get it together. No, actually, listen, you don't need to get it together. Actually, what you need to do is find the right king. And then he'll get you together. They'll find the right king, and then he'll get you together. That's the problem. See, we think we need to get ourselves together, and so we work, and we sweat, and we perspire, and we try to make it happen, and it doesn't happen. If you go to the king, and you get the right king, and you just go to him with all your baggage, with all your luggage, with all your problems, then he'll take all of that, and he'll fix your situation. I always tell you the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And the matter of the heart is finding the right king. The victory is depending on you getting to the right king. You'll get victory over your stronghold. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord. I love verse seven. Verse seven. Nevertheless, David. Took the stronghold just like that. You know, Alan Redpath said this, and I love this statement. Alan Redpath said, on the same principle, King Jesus conquers all strongholds when he becomes king over our lives. Territory that should have been given to him long ago is now conquered. I want to say to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that there is no habit that has gone so deep, but that the power of the blood of Jesus can go deeper. And there is no entrenchment. i wait while you clap your hands. Go ahead. And there is no entrenchment of sin that has gone so far. But the power of the risen Lord by the Holy Spirit can go farther. So. The Jebusites in verse eight. Let's move forward. The Jebusites thought the fortress was so impregnable or invincible that they could leave the blind and the lame the guard it. And David said, "Whoever climbs up the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, he's going to be my main man. He's going to be my chief captain." Well, we know who that was. It was Joab. Well, verse 9, David built all around from Milo and inward. A Milo, listen, is a system of stepped walls. A system of stepped walls. Verse 10, David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. So if you grab a map and you look at Zion, um, it's in the lower part of the city. South of the Temple Mount It was on the east side of the Kidron Valley that David built there because it was hard to get to and heavily guarded. Again, everybody had to come from the north, so a fortress was built there. Look at verse 11. In the Hebrew language, look at verse 11. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees. He sent carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. In the Hebrew, it reads, David went Going and growing. David went going and growing. That should be an epithet for every single Christian. We are going, and we are growing. David grew great, and the Lord was with him. King Hiram honored David, probably heard David brought together all of Israel. We're not sure, but it's good diplomacy for one king to acknowledge another. And so Hiram sends a messenger to David, and he sent cedar trees. You've heard of the cedars of Lebanon, haven't you? The cedars of Lebanon. That means that there were these big, beautiful trees, and he sent carpenters and masons, and they built David a palace in Jerusalem and David is in a good place at this time. And he he felt that this was the Lord establishing him as king over Israel. Remember, he spent many, many years running from Saul, probably wondering if the kingdom would ever be established. So in verse 12, he looks around and he sees God's hand has established the kingdom and God exalted the kingdom for the people's sake, not David. Now, how many of you know that just because something is written in the Bible doesn't mean that it's sanctioned by God? Or maybe y'all didn't pick that up. Just because something is written in the Bible does not mean that it is sanctioned by God. Did y'all not hear me? i put your hand up if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Amen. With that. These are the facts. Look at verse 13. David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem. That was not God's will. That was not sanctioned by God.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.